Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about planning your bets for next year. Yeah, love this. Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we're not ready to place the bets, but we're going to plan. We're going to, yeah, bets. we're going to think about where we want to place them. And this is coming to you courtesy of a Ditcherville member, one of the ditchers down in Ditcherville, who asked, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but... Um, the crux of the question is, it would be helpful to hear how you each structure your year-end strategy sessions. And that was in response to uh, a previous episode, we were kind of talking about how we use themes for a year to kind of maintain focus and, and like, what are we going to focus on and whatever the next year is. And I think when we talked about it, it was kind of like a given that, okay, this is the theme for the year and this is how it played out. But then this question feels more like, well, how'd you get to the theme? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Cool. So you have an, a perfectly defined, precise process that you follow, Oh, yeah. Right? It's a 12-step process. That, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was my reaction to the question, which was like, I don't know what my process is. I kind of just do it. So I thought it would be fun, we both thought it would be fun, to kind of put the, the cards on the table, to extend the gambling metaphor, and think about out, think out loud about what do we actually do. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, I'll throw in some things because, you know, we were talking about this before we hit record because we have kind of different client bases. And so I've got some clients that do an extraordinary amount of planning. Um, for some very good reasons. And then we have some who do very little planning for some not bad reasons either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost wouldn't. I mean, for me, I would almost planning is almost overstating it. It's more like setting um, a theme, like what is what is the area of focus for the year? And then what would be the obvious things to try uh, to, to actually on a day to day basis activities that would probably you know this is where the probability the bet part sneaks in what might lead to that what do i think would lead to that how risky are these things how big a bet do i want to place on any given initiative or activity and it's very i have like a very atomic habits approach to this i always kind of have it's like it's, i've i've noticed that i'm not great at like if i just set a goal and that's it and, and just expect it to magically happen, like the universe is going to align and my power of positive thinking is going to lead me toward that goal. <laughs> it totally, it does not work for me. But if I set the goal and then I create a system that I think will lead to it, and then I, and, and the system is something that I don't hate doing, perhaps even enjoy doing, the daily piece of, of working the system, that totally works. You know, that it's kind of equivalent to just having like an automatic deduction from your pay that goes into savings. You don't even think about it. You just, it just happens. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to that. And then periodically, I will sort of check the numbers that should be reflecting progress toward the goal and adjust as necessary. So it's, so for me, it's kind of like those, those are the components. It's like, what's the goal for the year? It's the area to focus on. How would I measure progress toward that goal? And then what is a system or systems I can set up to try and improve those numbers and get closer to that goal? And then the year is tweaking the system. And the systems get laid out um, in your own process so that you know 
you know, in January, what you need to be doing or on Tuesdays or, um, I mean, how finely do you cut it? It gets layered into my, uh, my existing time management insanity where, so like I, I am a gigantic fan of daily habits and they're just so much easier for me. It's so much easier for me to build and maintain a daily habit as long as the activity is small enough that it doesn't, it's not like this huge time yeah. block. I don't need this huge time block. I can sort of slot it in anywhere. It just really works with my personality and lifestyle and schedule and so forth. So, but, but some things you can't do every day, like it doesn't make sense to do every day. So, so I would kind of say, all right, what are the different things I'm going to do to get closer to this outcome? And what is the appropriate frequency to be doing the activity? Mm-hmm. which is a combination of like, how long does it take me? How much time can I spend on it? You know, I can't, I'm not going to do eight hours a day of some activity, almost certainly. Uh, so, so it's like that. So I'm like, all right, well, how often do I need to do this? And then uh, slot it into my insane time management system <laughs> that is recurring to do's, not stuff in my calendar. I only put stuff right. in my calendar if it's an appointment with another person. And stuff that is an appointment with myself or things that I just need to do, to-do list, not calendar. And I have it recur on the frequency that it needs to recur. So the day before or the, the morning, I can wake up, look at my calendar, see I've got a practically empty day most days. So then, I, then I'm like, okay, any prep I need to do for these meetings, I'll do. But outside of that, I just look at my to-do list for the day and it's heads down, do that stuff. And then when I'm done... I'm done or I can look in the next day, but I almost never do that. It's it's like just like, all right, I'm done for the day. So I'm going to ask the question because I know there are people in the audience going, how do you do that? Like, where do you keep your to-do list? Is it electronic? Is it paper? Oh, yeah. Where is it? Electronic. And and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I copy over, manually copy over my to-do list from the previous day. That would be more that I agree that that is really effective that is really effective. It, it helps you prune your list. It helps you be really real, but it doesn't support the recurring thing. And I really need the recurring thing. So I do it digitally. I use an app called Remember the Milk just because that's one I picked a million years ago. But anything that anything that syncs automatically across your phone and your computer and whatever, I mean, Google Tasks is fine for mm-hmm. this. I've got a student who does that. That's actually really nice because if you're a Gmail person, it integrates with the calendar, integrates with your with the email and everything. So that I would almost consider switching to that, but I, I'm just super loyal to the, I, I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I use Remember the Milk and I have a list called, well, let me actually look. I have a list called Daily. Let's see. I have a list called Daily. Does that just automatically populate those things for you or are you cut and paste? Nope. No, no, God, no. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll too, much it yeah. too much work. Too much work. I hope this is interesting. I don't know if this is like on topic for the episode, but it, it, it does. It is how the system works. So I have a list called daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. I don't think I have a quarterly list. No, I don't. And and I throw stuff in there. So I, like I'll, I'll say like, what am I going to do? Um, I don't know. Uh, one of the things for this year was like get on more podcasts. So like every day do some kind of some kind of activity that will move the ball forward on podcast outreach, guesting on other people's shows. Maybe that's responding to an email. Maybe that's sending a cold email. Maybe that's finding the next show that I should go on. Maybe that's listening to an episode. Just a small five, 10 minute task, but every single day. And I would put that in my daily list, set it to recur daily. And that's when I'm creating the to-dos. And then I can pretty much forget about that. And then 
every time I look at my to-do list, which is basically whenever I have nothing to do, I just look at the, there's a, a today function where you can just see what's on the list for today. And it might, you know, it's, it's always going to pull in the stuff from the daily list, depending on the day of the week, it might pull on something from weekly and depending on the day of the month, it might pull in something from monthly. So I can just see immediately like, okay, here's all the stuff I need to do today and just start plowing through it periodically. And I know someone's going to say, well, how often is periodically? Like I'll, I have monthly to do's that are like, check your analytics for or your, uh, what you call it, your email opens and subscribers and stuff like that. Check your, uh, one of my daily things is, is check income, which I know people tell me is not a good thing to do, but <laughs> every morning I look at my Stripe account and I'm like, okay, what is the, what's the cash flow look like? What's the, how am I trending against last year? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I feel like this is, uh, we're getting a little bit into kind of like implementation of the plan, Yeah, but it might but- help. I, well, that's why I asked because I, I could feel some people going, well, how do you do that? Is that electronic? Is it paper? Okay. That makes sense though. So so for you, part of this process is you have to be able to convert it into something that is logical and that has a place in your, I'm going to say calendar, even though I know you don't keep it in your calendar, right. but you want to make sure that it gets done and this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so there's not... I guess the reason we went into the rabbit hole is because there's not a lot of planning in advance. It's like, it's like, I think, okay, what's going to be the theme for next year? And I haven't picked one yet. I mean, it's, we're recording this in the end of November and I haven't picked one yet for next year. It's usually something I kind of enjoy doing over the holidays when everybody's kind of quiet, you know, clients Mm -hmm. and customers and family and everything. And I can really get like, I don't know, how long would I probably spend? I'd probably spend a little bit of time thinking about it on and off, collect ideas. And then I get overtaken by this like excitement. It's like, ooh, what am I going to do for next year? It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I'll think yeah. like, all right, let me look at my notes. Let me look back at my my maybe someday list, which has a billion ideas and and say like, all right, what can I pull forward into this? Like, what would be the smart thing to do next? And that that piece is a bet. That piece is totally a guess. It's an educated guess, but the deciding on the thing to focus on is it's not really a strategy, but it's strategic. So it's something that might not work, right? So just because right. I set the goal and I create a system to reach, it doesn't mean I'm gonna, mm-hmm. you know, I can correct and correct and correct. And it might be like, you know what, this didn't, didn't really work. Or I didn't, uh, I didn't pick a system that, that effectively got me to this goal. Or something might happen in the middle of the year, just serendipity, and you go, you know what? I want to pursue that. I'm letting this go. Right. That that is rare, but it does happen. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, an example would be the year we had the pandemic. I'm sure, sure. there were a number of people. Yeah. I, actually, I know there were a number of people who just immediately pivoted. So stuff happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not course. every year. I mean, if it's happening every year, uh, you need to stop and really think more about how to do this strategically. Uh, it. it happened to me somewhat this year because of the AI stuff that that was a a relatively large distraction from my theme for this year because I was like this is superpower this is unbelievable and so it it pulled me off a little bit of it pulled me back into my previous year's theme which was automation Mm -hmm. because I was like wow I remember that year (laughs) every conversation we had you're like I just figured out how to do this Uh (laughs) You wouldn't believe some of the stuff you can do with 
like like a collapsing section entire sections of my sop where i'll just go to chat gpt and i'll say like see this html switch it like this into markdown and summarize all the points and switch all the curly quotes all the straight quotes to curly quotes and then give me the give me the output in a format that looks like this it's unbelievable <laughs> so and that and that's not, that was actually nothing there's there's tons of greats anyway so i got that was an example of something it was sort of a meteorite boom into my plan for the year or my my systems for the year and it pulled me back a little bit into the previous year but wow super cool and it's so great to be up on that but it's, so stuff like that can happen and i've, I've got the flexibility to um, get away with it i guess i would say mm -hmm. so what happens what happens so over the holidays i'm like what would be partially it's partially the reason it's fun is because it's like i'm probably sick of doing the thing i did the focus for the the year like a year is about as long as i can stand it <laughs> and i'm like you know okay like this year my theme was uh awareness like increasing awareness of this stuff because i had all of these systems automated and it's like oh i could i could 10x my volume reach 10 times more people and only increase my workload by a, a fraction just almost nothing so it's like increase awareness and a whole bunch of the systems that i set up for that uh were things that I don't particularly like doing. You know, a lot of social media stuff, thinking about ads, SEO, mm. it's just, I, all stuff I really don't like. Snippets or what are you, whatever they're called, shorts on YouTube, um, all of that stuff. So, if, you know, if people notice like, oh, you've been more active on LinkedIn, it's like, yeah, and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so the people are fine, but LinkedIn is not. So by the end of the year, I'm, I'm sick of it. Even the automation year, which was super fun by the end, I was like, all right, that's enough of that. Yeah. So it's exciting to think like, okay, what will be the thing for next year? And it, it puts me on a, it's usually something that's going to put me on a, a bunch, either one big fresh learning curve, which I like, or a bunch of little ones. And that's usually pretty fun. I, I at least the promise of it is fun. I might start doing it and be like, this is a drag. I gotta, I gotta change tactics here. But, you know, that's tactics are supposed to change as long as you're as long as they align with whatever the, the overall strategy is or the theme, at least in this case, then that's fine. It's, it's expected to change tactics. Surprises happen or, you know, you, you're making a million decisions with very incomplete data. So as you get more data, as you climb up these little learning curves, then it's like, oh, this is much easier than I thought or much harder than I thought or much more expensive than I thought or. Uh, this is, I really just don't like this for philosophical reasons or whatever the case may be. So you can, I don't want, I almost said pivot. It's not even a pivot. It's just like these little, you just make little changes. Like what would be a better way to do this? That would be more aligned with all my constraints that perhaps still have the same outcome. So I don't necessarily, so probably this is a disappointing answer to the original question, but <laughs> <laughs> my planning is more like. It feels more like an outline. It feels more like a, a heading, theme of the year, whatever, um, mm -hmm. scale, and whatever it is, you know. And then right. underneath that, it's like, what are some things that, that I could do that would perhaps achieve that outcome, you know? And then bullet point, right. bullet point, bullet point, and then maybe a couple of bullet points underneath each one of those. And I do that until all the obvious stuff is out of my head. And then I think, ah. Uh, you know, what, what would be some of the first steps? Like if I turn these into to do's, what would they start to look like? Mm -hmm. So it's not really a, 
it's not a map. It's not like a complete map. It's more like, um, it's more like a destination. It's like, if you imagine LA, a map of the United States, but the middle is completely blank and you've just got California and New York. <laughs> right. And then there's like, all right, California or LA's over there. New York city's over here. I'm in New York city and I build like tools to get me there. So I build like, or get a compass and camping gear or whatever, you know, it's like, I get the stuff that I'll probably need to get me there, but I don't know. Am I going to need mm-hmm. a shovel? I don't know. You know, like, so, so I leave a lot of stuff to be kind of discovered along the way. It's not like a detailed itinerary of like, here's where I'm going to stop and get gas and sightsee over here and we'll do an overnight and whatever the Grand Canyon. Are you doing all this like in one seating or is this like you do it over the course of a week? Not out a week. This would be like one. So I would gather a bunch of ideas. I'd have, they're sort of float around and I've got all systems to capture these ideas that float around and you know, my maybe someday to-do list, which is mm-hmm. straight out of right. David Allen's uh, getting things done concept. Uh, great book, by the way. So, you know, just like over the year, I'll collect ideas that would maybe be fun activities to do or projects or um, things to build. But if they're not aligned with my current theme, I'll put them in maybe someday. So I've got all of these ideas that are really fun. And so I'll look in there and say like, all right, what are some things in here that might contribute to this new theme, if anything, and start, you know, so I've got, I've got these, it's like I collect, it's like all year I collect stones and then at the end of the year, I'm going to make a wall. You know, I've got like all of this stuff, but it's, it's, I'm not collecting and building at the same time. Yes. It's idea collection. Right. So then I just go to my big pile of ideas and say like, oh, well. What could slot in here? What might be, what would be fun? What fun and potentially effective. And it doesn't take, I mean, I probably, if I was like really having a ball, I would maybe spend three hours on it, but that's, it's probably more like 90 minutes mm-hmm. of a completely silent house, probably the middle of the night and just like having a blast. Like, and I, it's sometimes I do this on paper, but I tend to do it, I, the ideas flow, I can type faster than I can write. So I generally, this is like, it's pouring yeah. out of me really fast. So I usually want to do it on the computer. Uh, and it just comes out. And it's not that it's right. It's not right. It's just a, it's just a starting point with some tools to get me to the destination, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I get that. It's um, And to somebody who... Well, let me back up. I think that a lot of us think about planning, especially if we came out of big corporate, as this just slog. Like it's days, weeks. And when I worked for a Fortune 500 company, it was actually months of planning, which was so ridiculous because who knows what's going to happen with all these contracts in you know six months from now. But so I think a lot of us think it's got to be this big slog. And what you've just described is actually joyful. Super fun. Yeah. 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 It's joyful because it's your business. You get to decide. You're a soloist. You get to pick what you're going to do and you get to decide, you know, which um, which cards you're going to play, what bets you're going to make. So, I mean, that's my takeaway from the way that you described it. A lot of it is, you know, very specific to you and how you like to work. But it's that approaching it with a sense of joy and wonder versus, oh, 
God, what am I going to do next year? <laughs> How's this going to go? I can't right. figure this out. Right. It sounds like your process or your your way is very different. Like, how do you approach it? Well, you know, when you and I talk about process, <laughs> mine is going to be, yeah, spreadsheet. It's funny. I actually don't have a spreadsheet yet this year, so we'll see. Um, but I, I do like the joy and wonder. And so I just have a different process to get to that. So for me, it's, you know, I look, I do like a numbers dive, right? It's like, what do the numbers look like? And I look at them differently. I mean, I know what they are. I have my books done monthly. I know what they are every month, but I like to sit back and go, okay, so, you know, how did I do in terms of projecting how this year was going to go? Am I high? Am I low? Am I happy? Am I content? Am I not happy? You know, in terms of the numbers. And I just want to know if the numbers tell me anything or what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. And then really from there, it's, um, for want of a better word, it's a feelings review. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all the analytical types out here, you need both, right? I like the analytical piece of what are the numbers, what's going on in the world, what do I think is happening with my core um, client, buyer, and audio uh, uh, audience base. Um, and then it's like, okay, how did I feel about the year? Like what, um, what do, you know, the questions I think I mentioned in, in that podcast that, that came up is, you know, what do I want to do more of, less of, or stop doing, mm-hmm. right? So I'm always thinking about that. But it's also, um, you know, what do I want to be different and what's not working? Because there's always something that could be better. And so I really want to do that. And I can't do that in three hours. So what I do is I, I start to ask myself the questions. And this year, I did those questions um, Thanksgiving week. I started to ask myself the questions because I wanted to soak on them. I wanted the back of my brain to work on it, like when I'm sleeping or when I'm actively doing something else. And it took me I don't know, maybe three or four days of having that in the back of my mind. And I was like, okay. I, I don't have the theme yet, but I know what I want to focus on for next year. And I know, um, you know, I was debating what to do with the masterminds, how to approach those. And so it, I just felt like I got the answer of what I want to do with them. Mm. And so I'm moving them up instead of doing them in April. I'm going to start them in February this year. I'm I'm going to design, started designing a essentially a challenge around um your genius zone, like how to spend more time in your genius zone, because that's a problem a lot of pe- a lot of us have. Um, mm. And then I'll just start to like test ideas, like kind of like what you do. And those I'll do like specifically in a couple of hours. I like to have at least a couple of hours to think about that and say, well, what about this? What about this? And then I plot out the calendar, like what is going to be on the calendar next year? And like last year, I started a podcast, which I hadn't even thought of in January when I planned the year. Um, The year before that, it was writing a book, which I did plan. But so it's really thinking about how how can I calendar this out? So when I plan masterminds, I need to set aside a certain amount of time to actually do the sessions. Plus, there's some individual coaching that goes and I need to make sure that I have enough time to do that. I have my individual clients. All right. So how many more can I take? Right. If I'm doing the mastermind, am I doing one or am I doing two at the same time? And how much time do I have? So I think of it as sort of the calendar plotting, which is maybe analogous to how you transfer what you're doing into a plan. But I need to see it on the calendar first. 
because, um, you know, an example on the masterminds is that I need to communicate what's going to happen with the masterminds sooner if I'm doing it in February than if I'm doing it in April. Mm-hmm. And so how do I want to do that? Does it, where does it fit in the pod, my new podcast, for example? Do I do a special episode on that? So I'm plotting what needs to be done. And then I kind of do what you do. I mean, I have a projects list. Mm-hmm. And from that list, then I decide, all right, what's the next best step on those? Usually, I can't usually stop at one step. I'll have a couple, but I'll have a couple bullet points just so that at any given moment, when I have a, you know, a certain amount of free time, I look at that and I'm like, okay, I can do that now. Or in some cases, like the, um, the new uh, genius time thing, I don't know how much time that's going to take me. So I want some very specific um, blocks of time where I can work on it so that I'm, I'm comfortable. Not worried about it since it's the end of the year and I have more time in December than I have in typically any other month. Mm-hmm. But I want to think through how that works. So for me, it's it's different than yours, but not that different, yeah. right? For me, it's just really that it takes a longer time Elapse, not elapsed time. It takes, yeah, it takes longer elapsed time, but I don't know that I spend any more time doing it than you do. Right. Yeah, and by the way, I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, but, uh, or, or maybe I, I glossed over it. But I, like you, I too, do want to have a very clear look at the numbers. But I, it doesn't take me any time because it, it's one of my monthly to dos, and I have a big spreadsheet. It's my only spreadsheet that I have <laughs> is my uh, annual income projections. And I started in January, and I'm like, okay, if the numbers of to the extent that you can predict any of this, it's like, okay, this is what they were last year. These are the things I'm going to kill. These are the things I'm going to add. I expect this thing to do this much. And I fill out the whole thing at the beginning of the year with estimates. And then as each month, as the actuals come in, I update it. So that, you know, and that maybe takes me half an hour a month. Uh, But then when I do go to start thinking about this, it's, it's just right there. It's like ready. It's, it's the very first always open tab in my browser. Um, so I, I don't want people to think I don't do that. It's just, it's just done already. It's always done. Uh, and yeah. the, other, the other thing that you said that is really, uh, really kind of captured my imagination. It was the idea of using your calendar, like an annual view of your next year. It's like not a great way to do this digitally because the screen's not big enough. I, but know, I could imagine that's the problem. Yeah. But, but I like the idea of planning out what your weeks are going to look like. Maybe you could probably, your weeks are probably going to recur uh, on a somewhat, your normal week is probably going to recur at least every other week or maybe monthly. It'd be kind of fun to say like, to design your schedule in advance. But like, what what would my, what do I want my schedule to look like next year? And just like slot blocks in of more or less immovable appointments. It's a, it's a funny, I, I could imagine me years ago benefiting from that but now you know now i it's not that yeah i have the luxury of not really having to worry about that but if you're at this point where you're still working like 20 or 30 hours a week or or more and you don't like it, it i feel like that'd be a really cool exercise to say what do i want my weeks to look like next year and just make a new calendar like a temp calendar in in whatever system you have and like just have the work here, you know, client, blah, 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 do this, you know, this mastermind thing here or whatever. And just like, look at that and imagine like, that's what, that could almost be your goal. That could be a theme for the whole year is like, get my, 
get my calendar to look like this every week. That's pretty, never heard anybody say that. That's a pretty cool idea. There's, there's two comments on that. One is on your, um, your financials. I just have my bookkeeping firm do that. So I always have that at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it. I get them whatever they need to finalize the books once a month. They get me that. I, I review it. It's done. And then every month they update it. So you can get that without even having to do it yourself for yeah. the, the audience. Um, and the second is um, what I do on the calendar is I actually create a physical printed calendar. Not that I use it um, during the year, but I use it for planning. And the reason that I do that is because I want to be able to block time. So if I say, okay, I want to be able to write a new book this year. I know I need, um, you know, given my last go around, I know I need 30 days to actually write the book, right? And then I need a certain amount of pre-time and a certain amount of after time. I want to make sure I have that. If I want to spend um, a month in Tuscany, and I'm going to plan for that. And so what I love about it, and it's funny, I don't refer to it again during the year, right. but I use it in the planning because I just want to see it. And when it's printed, I have you know a month for each page. I can lay it out. I can move stuff around. Right. Um, I can see when certain dates are like one of the challenges I had with the mastermind is I was always juggling it between um, Easter and Passover and vacations. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I need to just not have to juggle with that. You know, let's just say April is not a good month to kick off. I think I think those holidays are in March this year, but same difference, right? So there's something for me about visually seeing that that's really helpful. And I sometimes recommend it to clients when they just need when they're in the process of changing how they work, especially if you've got, you know, a standard set of clients and sort of a standard routine and you want to shake it up a little bit, it's a lot easier to see. And I've got, you know, some clients that take pretty significant vacations. Mm. So they're always like working around, like, how can I make this work so I can, you know, take off for 10 days or two weeks, you know, several times a year. Right. Yeah, me too. So I, I really like that idea. I, I might even I might even goof around with that. So the thing with me is I have enough free time that it's never even close to not having enough time. You know what I mean? Like it would be so I don't have to worry about it as much now, but I work but for launches, though. Yeah, but so that's all automated, though. I know you plan your launches. Yeah. But, you know, it's like how many how many launches of X can you do? So for me, oh. I'm saying, all right, if I'm going to launch a, t- a, time, a genius time thing, that's going to be at the beginning of the year because that's the mm-hmm. best time. Right. And so I need to have enough breathing room between that and the next launch for the mastermind. Right. It's a totally different thing. You know, one mm-hmm. is, I don't know how much yet, but it's a small amount. And the other is a large amount. It's right. really different marketing, but I don't want to bombard my list with launch, constant launch, marketing launch, for launch. the next thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I worried about that two years ago and I wrote a program that handles it. So, so the, in the, and in fact, before I wrote the program, in fact, the way I figured out how, what I wanted to program was by looking at an annual view and saying like, okay, here are the five things or six things that I'm going to launch. When should I launch them? I looked at holidays, just like you're saying, and like slotted them in. It's like, okay, TPS is super long. So there's never a good time for it because it's going to conflict with something. 
So, you know, what's the best time for that? So I'll put that here and here, and then the other stuff I'll slot in and then set it and forget it. Yeah. But that's the other thing is that if you think about that in terms of your evolution, you knew you, you've gotten to the point where you've tested enough stuff that you know what your core offerings are. A lot of the people in the audience are still experimenting with what those are. And so, you you know, there's only so many things you, any of us can do in a year. Sure. So, again, I'm not I'm not saying, oh, I think everybody should print out a calendar and do this, but it can be helpful if you're trying to see how to slot things in. And especially if you have kids that have their own schedules in the summer and like all the stuff that you're doing as a family. So it's it's sometimes just really helpful to see. But it's funny, I, I keep it close to me, you know, it's in a desk drawer. But I pretty much never pull it out. I just use it that one time mm-hmm. or a series of times as I'm planning so that I, I have a I'm very visual. So I have a visual of what the year looks like. Yeah, I like that. We, we were actually trying to schedule like my brain doesn't do calendar like. Yeah, I found that out this morning. Yeah, I, It's <laughs> horrible. Like date math is the worst. So uh, having a visual calendar just for the planning part so I can because I need uh, normally I don't need to see stuff but with calendars I do and or with dates anyway and so I'm like okay that would be a I've never thought about using a calendar for a planning session and I love the if I were going to do that I would print it out also and I would also probably never look at it again it's more just to make the decisions decide what to put in my outline and then say okay like realistically I know that this isn't biting off more than I can chew for the year yeah, it's it's like a, a backstop, really. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing I want to point out is is you and I both do relatively simple planning. I do have clients that do slightly more complex. I mean, it's obviously not the Fortune 500 variety of planning, but um, they may have contracts, like a year-long contract to provide a service. And so those contracts often are either fiscal year or calendar year. Calendar year is probably a little bit more common. Mm-hmm. And so... They're thinking about this maybe in August because their clients are thinking about it because that's when their clients are doing budgets right. if you're serving Fortune 500s. And so then they start to say, all right, so do I, you know, do I want this client next year? Do I want the contract to stay the same and, and maybe just adjust the price? Um, do I think that there is something else that I need to do with this client to help them get towards this revolution that I'm working toward, this, the transformation? Um, do I do I want to work with them at all? I mean, you go through all of those things, and these are these tend to be uh, clients that are in the situation tend to be consultants to you know kind of Fortune 500 with with sort of a defined set of services, and they're only it's kind of a, a limited whale model. They maybe have three to five clients at a time, right. and so sometimes they'll say, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to write a book this year." So I'm going to lop off my least favorite client. It usually doesn't happen that way. It usually happens slightly differently. But sometimes somebody will actually look at that and say, how can I buy myself more time? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let this client go. Yeah. Or how can I buy myself more time? I'm going to raise my prices by 25% or 50% or whatever the market will bear. And then it's okay because some of them will probably lop off, but I'll still be fine. Right. So th- those kinds of things, much more rigorous approach to planning than what we've described. And then the other piece is, if somebody in that situation is going to make a uh, a big bet, or maybe, I won't say a big bet, let's even call it a small bet, but the bet is on, 
I'm going to shift from doing all one-to-one work to creating some something for a group, yeah. something for the many. Yeah, you read my mind. Yep. Yeah, because that's going to feel like a bigger bet than it really is because you're just, you know, you're doing one, you're experimenting. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing you tend to think about well in advance because their time is so tightly constrained right. within these contracts that it's they've got to find free time to work on that. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. Because I'm trying to think of like people I'm working with and and what sort of time is a much bigger constraint for almost everybody. So it's like, what do they do? It's just like you said, I was just going to say like virtually the exact same thing, which is like, okay, this year, because a lot of people I talk to, they just have these sort of ongoing open-ended gigs. It's not like a contract. It's more like month to month or, uh, you know, like a retainer or some kind of all you can eat subscription, or they're just, they've got some kind of, it might be, you know, invoicing every month for different amounts, whatever it is, they've got these steady gigs, uh, but they're working full time and it's all client work. And Mm -hmm. however you slice it, it's pretty much full time client work. So the working on the business stuff, never really happens or it doesn't happen in a meaningful way and there's no end of year planning there's there's really nothing it's like just hopefully keep going like this and that's the kind of thing that leads to the feast famine cycle yeah so the thing for for my people is very similar to that it's like what what am i going to introduce what would i introduce this year and how much time would i have to carve out to do it So it could be that for the first time ever, they're going to do some meaningful kind of marketing activity to position themselves as unique in some way. Mm -hmm. So it could be that they start a podcast or a mailing list or a YouTube channel, or they start being super active on social media or something. They just might say like, all right, I'm going to, I have to do something. They start doing like really strong outreach to a particular vertical. Like they decide to do maybe, maybe it's some kind of marketing activity. Or maybe they decide to create some kind of info product is what I was going to say. But, but you know, they say like, oh, this year I'm going to write a book. This year I'm going to write, I'm going to create a course. This year I'm going to package my expertise in something that can sell while I sleep. And that could be like the the extent of the time that they can f- get free from, from doing so much client work. They d- haven't got a lot of bandwidth left over. I mean, the, my first big book I wrote, I, I wrote it from like midnight to four and I worked normal hours during the day it was like brutal you know so yeah (laughs) yeah did you have kids then no yeah (laughs) no i would set my alarm for like midnight and i like it would go off and it would like time to make the donuts and (laughs) just write for four hours um which was yeah so i get it like i get that if you have a lot of client work and it's just seems to just keep rolling and time just keeps going by uh, but you finally decide, you know what, I, this is, this is, I've reached a plateau here. I can't work more. I don't want to hire more. Uh, I haven't been able to raise my prices. I'm just stuck at this plateau, but I'm busy. And it's yeah, like, all right. That's, that's the gilded hamster wheel, right? That's yeah, the right trap. There. Right. So yeah. then it's like, all right, how am I going to carve out time to, to how am I, what am I going to decide to do and how much time do I probably have to carve out for it? And what is the goal that I hope it will achieve? You know, all of those things. And then, then you look at the list of things that might achieve the goal and it's like, all right, you know, a a book would take this long, a video course would take this long, starting a group thing would take this long, but you know, that I might have to spend time facilitating it on the delivery side. So productized service, like what is the, what are the, what is the new thing you're going to try? 
even if it's just one thing, because you're pretty sure you can't make any more time than that. And yeah, so then it becomes super important to do something like, all right, either research it, ask around, like, how much time does this really take? You know, and like, what, what benefit do you have? The really scary thing about being at this stage is like, how do I know it's going to work? Because this is going to be really probably a real stretch. You don't. You don't. <laughs> right. You just have to, it's because you're way at the beginning. You're, you're like leaving Manhattan. You're on the George Washington Bridge. And you're like, <laughs> how do I know? I've got everything I need to get to LA when there's no map. So you don't, but you need to try something because, you know, what's the old line? You can't steer a parked car. So you gotta, you gotta get it moving and then you can start adjusting, but there's going to be a time investment that, that, uh, you'll get secondary benefits from for sure, but you might not get the direct benefit this time or next time. Well, that's why the feeling piece of the review is so important, because if you're going to do that, if you're in the situation that you just described, you want to really find some joy in this thing that you're creating. Right. So don't have it be, oh, I think I'll do this one because I think it's the most likely to sell, but you're sort of lukewarm about it. Do not invest your time in that. Yeah, right? I'm not saying to... just go after your passion. I mean, be smart about it. You know, have the audience have a sense of what they want. You can do a listening tour. You can do all those things. But, you know, you always have multiple options. Pick the one that feels like it taps into your genius zone, that feels like you're excited about this thing. And it's probably around teaching or sharing your craft in some way. I mean... Choose wisely. That's true. That book I was writing in the middle of the night was really a fun book to write. I mean, it was writing a book's not fun, but learning the stuff I needed to learn to write the book was really fun. Mm. And as I think I mentioned Atomic Habits already, like the, the system that you pick to reach the goal, like you don't think about the goal. Don't think about the goal constantly. You think about it when you're deciding what systems to build and then you forget about the goal. And And I usually describe this as frictionless. Like you want to make the the system frictionless, but that's, it's kind of another way of, but frictionless for me, using a frictionless system for me is super fun. It feels like skiing. So it, it's fun. Like it is frictionless, but what is that? How does that feel? It feels like fun. Mm -hmm. So you, you feel superhuman. Like, oh, I can't believe I just got all that done in like two seconds. It's like, great. And it, it's, I'm just reiterating your point, which is it's that, that would be a factor in the decision. If you, if you are really time constrained and you're picking between three or four things that might pay off then picking the one that you that you're most excited about maybe you're not maybe that's even overstating it but the one that you hate the least you know <laughs> the, the one that's ranked to the top of the list of like the pleasure spectrum i would probably pick that one you're more likely choose to joy. stick to it yeah choose joy nice oh, that, yeah, that would have been a good title <laughs> yeah <laughs> really but yeah, yeah you know i'm i i keep coming back to this that that's, I think we both do that most of the time, right? We certainly try anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as long as you've done the homework around it, you know who your audience is, you've decided that, you know, there are these three things, any of these three things could potentially be the, the one, right, that works, but pick the one where your heart beats a little faster. Right. I constantly do that. Like, I, I, I don't have to write it down. I just remember because it's so 
tangible, right? Like what's more tangible than a feeling? Nothing. So, oh, but here's the thing though. Wait a minute. Let me, let me interject this. There are a lot of us who were raised that everything has to be hard. And a lot of times it's from, you know, a religious tradition of some sort, like everything has to be hard. So you have to kind of pick the hard way. I was like, oh yeah, I have to do the hard way where choosing joy feels like wrong somehow, <laughs> like mm-hmm. guilty, you know, we feel guilty for choosing joy. And the thing is that usually the things we identify as being joyful are things from a business standpoint that touch our genius zone. They're the things that we do better than anybody else. And we sometimes don't even understand how special our gifts are in that area. So you look at the joy and you go, well, anybody could do that. No, not anybody could. You can, and you want to do it in a way that nobody else does. And so it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we have to give ourselves permission, as crazy as it sounds, permission to choose joy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It seems implausible that the air quotes easy thing to do would be valuable in any way or effective, but it's, it's often the case where it's just like the easy thing is the thing you're actually great at. Well, that's why the listening tour is so helpful if it's something big, because people in your existing audience will tell you what they want from you during the course of those kinds of conversations. You, You can, they may not say it directly, but they'll say it indirectly in terms of how they give you feedback on the thing that you're proposing. If you have a price on it, Mm-hmm. They'll give you feedback on the price and whether that feels like a good value to them or not. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just have to get out of your own head and and have some some other potential buyers, not somebody in your family. <laughs> Go to the people who are actually have the wallets to spend and you may be surprised by what they tell you. Let me tell you about these Cutco knives. <laughs> so you just touch on something that we kind of said already, but but we didn't use this word but for the, for the people who are real time strapped, they're doing fine, they're doing well, but they're making the same money they made for the past seven years and they're not getting any younger. I think in that situation, if, it were, if I was in that situation, building an audience would be the number one thing I would try and do. Mm-hmm. If I didn't wanna, you know, if, if it was me, if I didn't wanna hire, I knew I didn't wanna hire, I knew I didn't wanna grow the business that way. If it were me, whatever that, you know, years ago, I should, I regret not doing it. I wish I had done it back when I was still sort of flying high on the, in the mobile strategy consulting space. I can't believe I didn't start a mailing list. Like what a moron, (laughs) like that asset, that permission asset to, to, like you just said, ask your audience, does this price seem crazy? You know, that asset is key. It is like, and I don't mean on Twitter. I mean, yes, if you have a million followers on Instagram or whatever, well, whatever, actually, I'm not even going to make that judgment. We've talked at length about what it means to own your own platform and so forth. So, so whatever, but I would start building an audience because you can do that in a very small amount of time. It's going to take a long time to get it right. It's going to take a long time to clarify your thinking. So while you've got steady cash flow, if you're, if you're, you know, you're not, your business is not improving, but it's, it's okay. It's pretty good. And you can find at first, maybe it's an hour a day, but after a while, it'll be 10 minutes a day to write. Yeah, you get better. You get better fast. You start to figure out what you think. It clarifies your thinking in record time. Uh, we just had a, actually, I just had a, a first anniversary of the, um, I think it was the first email 365 class. And so three people right now have been writing 
daily or at least Monday through Friday for a year and, and emailed me today. It was like, uh, we all, we all were in the same cohort and it's our <laughs> first anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're all like, it's just such a game changer, you know? So, but it doesn't take that much time. It sounds like it would, but it really doesn't not to pitch my own stuff, but like, you don't need to take a course to start writing every day. Well, yeah, I mean, really, the, the the moral of that story is, you know, reach out and build an audience while you're busy. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like trying to find a job when you're unemployed versus when you already have a job. It's a, yeah. it's a lot easier. It's the best. Yes. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're feeling on, you know, you're feeling if not on top of the world, you're feeling like, you know, you understand your business, you understand your clients, you understand your craft. You know, that's the time to to start reaching out and starting to share mm-hmm. that wisdom. And then you'll figure out how to monetize it. You may not know for a while, but building the audience will help you figure that out. Yes. And, and how does this translate to the theme for this episode? It's just an example of trying to make a like if you make a list of things you're going to do, like planning to work on the business in the next year to grow it by whatever metric of success is important to you, whether that's working less or making more or having better clients or doing better work, whatever those, whatever the theme is for the year, it's like, okay, what are the, what are the potential activities that could lead to that? Maybe building an audience is one, maybe going all in on Facebook ads is one. I don't know, but whatever the thing is for you, what do you think the things might be for you? Um, Pick the ones that are probably the most fun, that you're most excited to do. Get a sense of how much time it would take. Print out your calendar for the year. Slot <laughs> it in. Look at the look at the um, what are your what are your vacations? What are your clients' vacations? Maybe that's an opportunity for you to make a course or something while the clients away for a month. I think these are all reasonable ways for people at different points in their career or the points in building their business to like think strategically about how the previous year has been, what is the obstacle, what is the goal for the next year, and then trying to figure out what to do, like what to do, when to do it, how much of it to do, all that stuff. These, these seem like, I mean, this all seems reasonable to me. It's the first time I, I think I've we've ever talked about it out loud, but this seems like, seems like it would work. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. It does work. And it's, you know, it, you think about the core things that will make your planning successful. And one is that you do an analytical review of where you are, your marketplace, um, where you want to go. You do, you know, what I, you know, kind of call a feelings review, which is how do you feel about this? What do you want to be different? Like this is your business. You get to have feelings and you get to act on them. Mm -hmm. And again, for myself, I want it to soak in the back of my mind because the longer it sits there, the more likely it is I'm going to come up with something really interesting. Mm -hmm. So have a little bit of space in between as you're allowing yourself to think about that. And then just pick the thing, right? Or the, you know, mm-hmm. the handful of things, I would say not more than three, um, that you really are excited about for the next year and choose the joy. Yes. Slot them in and start doing them. Yeah. Yes. No procrastination. Just try it. It's not going to be perfect. It's not guaranteed to work. Give it a try. You might just like it. Imagine that. <laughs> and it might surprise you. I mean, I, I know I've said this so many times, but when I did that first mastermind, Oh my God. It was like, oh, 
I haven't facilitated like meetings like this in ages. It just, it's so fun and it <laughs> provides a lot of value and people appreciate it. And it's like, wow, sometimes the thing that you know you're good at just turns out to be part of your genius zone. There you go. There you go. All right, folks, we'll leave it there. <laughs> That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Michelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.